Good to see all of you, and um, thank you, worship team. Let's give our uh, Encounter worship team a hand. Thank you so much for serving us and leading us. So good. I was listening from the outside, and I was like, sounds like a CD, but better. Okay, so anyways, um, please uh, thank them if you see them in person. Um, but it's nice to worship together. Today we're discussing this part in Joshua 20 where the city of refuge is built. Um, and they're in this, we're at this part of Joshua where the war is done. You know, the fighting is over. And it's a time of peace. Joshua is mentioned as being now older. Time has gone by. And now all the different tribes have received their land. Or what the Bible says here is their inheritance, which I think is really neat in the wording. Because it was something promised by their Heavenly Father. And it's their inheritance. And now they're all divided by their clans and their families, and they're all situated. And you would imagine, and and you've all been there, we've all moved from time to time, and the amount of work that goes into moving and packing and unpacking and all of that, and how difficult that could be. What we see here is they're trying to get settled in. Their uh, boundaries are set. They have to figure out where they're going to live, where they're going to farm, where they're going to raise the animals, where the kids are going to go to school, um, where the roads will be, where they get water. I mean, there's a ton of work that needs to be done. But in chapter 20, God tells them to prepare these cities of refuge. These cities of refuge, right? Uh, Today, we're going to look at this idea of the city of refuge, and we're going to see a parallel from the city of refuge there to the church here today. And I'm going to kind of go back and forth and describe what that looks like, and then uh, we'll wrap up with some um, application on that. But this city of refuge is also called, literally, one commentator says it's a city of intaking. They allow people to come in. So the boundaries might be there, but now they allow people to come in. This is where the priests lived. This is a place where those who had um, inadvertently killed someone um, could run to go find safety. It's very unique. Uh, This picture of people who have literally blood on their hands, who now the avenger is coming after them, could go run to the city and find safety there, refuge. And, you know, uh, uh, they would come and run in in this way. And so uh, the idea was there was kind of this idea of, well, you took one of mine, so I will avenge the death or the blood of mine, and I'm going to get one of yours. And the city of refuge was now prepared in this way so that uh, this cycle of killing would stop. And so what we see here is this idea of mercy and justice that gets answered by God. Um, and, and, and he says, spend your time here. Now we, we bring this up to our time for us here. You know, all of us, our, our lives are busy. You're trying to get busy with work and, you know, your house and your things. And, you know, God has given you these wonderful things and you're trying to get your family started or your life started, your career started. And it's just like the Israelites in the first part. And they now just received the land. They're about to settle down. And he says, make sure you consider the city of refuge, a place that others can use. And I think for us today, it's the idea of the church. Make sure, regardless of what life stage and how busy you are and how difficult it is, 
you put your attention, you put your time and your energy and your resources to build up the church or the city of refuge so that others could come and receive the blessings from it. Now, the city of refuge is here and it did three things for us, three parts. One is it was a place where those with blood on their hands would come and find refuge, right, as I mentioned. It tells us in our reading in Joshua um, 20, verse 3, about a manslayer, and that's the title that's used, a manslayer, someone who had inadvertently killed someone, their oxen had trampled someone, or their, the roof that they built for someone that caved in and it killed someone. It was something that was inadvertent. And yet, the avenger would come and say, well, you killed one of mine, and I'm going to get you. And in order to find safety and forgiveness, they'd go into the city of refuge. And we see this here, and generations would be saved. The second thing we see here is that this, the cities of refuge uh, were created not just for the Israelites, but it was also open to the foreigners, the outsiders. And I think this is really parallels the church today. That The church, yes, we have membership, and we have uh, you know, community groups, and you guys, a lot of you are members, and you're members of Crossway, and this is your church. You give to this church, you serve at this church, you fellowship here, you worship here. This is our church. But yet, in the same way, we now exist for our neighbors. We exist for those outside the church. We want to go and bring them in, you know, we're... Yesterday at our elders meeting, um, we were reminiscing a little bit about how our church is turning 10 almost, right? And so, so a lot of us, we've known each other for 10 years, right? And uh, we we're talking about that with the elders, and I was kind of joking with our, my brothers there, and I was like, well, wow, you know, and you, none of you look an age older than, you know, you did 10 years ago, and, you know, we're kind of laughing at each other knowing that that was not true, you know? And so we kind of, let's eat our pancakes, and we just kind of, you know, had our time. But really, how quickly time goes by, but what I do know, established churches, older churches, can easily get focused inward and politics and history and how things should be done and who is more prominent than who and why I, it, it, wow, you know, and then, you know, guitars fall apart and, you know, the stage falls apart, right? Um, but really, it, it can get that way versus when we were first starting, it was like, I hope anyone comes. You know, it was really for the world out there. And so I hope you come, come join us. We're trying to create a church, you know, for all our uh, single folks, you know, hurry up, marry each other, you know, have, have kids, you know, we need to build up our children's ministry and don't just have one, have two, three, you know, like we, we encouraged a lot of that and we wanted people to come in. But as we get to 10 years, we all have to be very careful because you know why? Within 10 years, you know, people, you know, those people are too loud. They're too quiet. You know, those people, oh, they're the old people. Oh, you know, those are the young people, right? They're the loud people. Um, you know, these people are like this. And, you know, if I could just come up with my holy huddle, and this is good, but if you throw someone else in, it just messes up the chemistry. It messes up the youth group. It messes up the children's ministry. And we have to be very vigilant and guard against becoming a holy huddle type of church. And this city of refuge, it tells us in... Um, in Numbers 35:15, right? Uh, it says here, the six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger. 
and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. And so this is a, a beautiful picture of letting these people come in. So the, the guy that's traveling through doing business, the one who is now in the city uh, living there and happens to come upon something like this and needs help, the doors are open for them. And so we have to continue to be vigilant and guard against us wanting to just be by ourselves. You know, just us. And how can we go and bring the strangers into the church? Uh, thirdly is this, the manslayer um, would be freed after the death of the high priest. It's kind of an interesting fact here. So the high priest would pass away at the death of the high priest. The manslayer is allowed to go free, allowed to go home. And he's considered innocent. In chapter 20, verse 6, And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home, to the town from which he fled. So it is this idea that someone else is going to have to die. The beauty of this is that God made justice and mercy come together and each are satisfied as the high priest now bore the sins and the guilt of this person. So they would come in to this place. And can you imagine what type of atmosphere that city must be like? The humility, the love. The gratefulness, there's no one boasting, there's no one arguing, because these are all forgiven people. And when the high priest would die, now this person can go free. And so we see this exchange that happens here. You know, in Exodus 28, 38, it talks about Aaron, the high priest, bearing the guilt of the people. And so we, we see this understanding, and if we've been at church, especially at Crossway, you've heard the gospel so many times. The idea of this great exchange between us and the Lord. That the Lord Jesus, when he goes to the cross, he gives us his righteousness. So we're not righteous to God, but his righteousness is imputed to us. And our sinfulness is now imputed to him, and he dies for us. And so this is a concept we're familiar with, but it started back here, pointing to the ultimate high priest who is going to take this death. When you think about Jesus, the high priest, you can't help but to go to Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, verse chapter 4, talks about him. And then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Now, verse 16. So since we have this high priest, this is what we ought to do. He says, let us then uh, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Two, find, two things you find here as you go to Jesus, right? You may receive mercy, find grace to help in time of need. So you get mercy and then you get help in time of need. And this is exactly what the priests did in the city of refuge as the person that literally comes with blood on their hands says, come on, give me clean hands. I want to find innocence. I want to be known as someone innocent. And they come in, they find mercy. They're accepted. And not only that, they are given help in this time of need. They have a place to stay, things to eat, security. And then once the high priest dies, this person can go back home. 
His death pays for this guy's um, price. And we see this here. Now, many of us, all of us are here because we have entered into the city of refuge in a way. We could say we've, we've experienced the mercy of Christ. We've experienced God's mercy. And we're here. And just to be, you know, frank, some of us are here and, you know, it's just been a rough week, a rough time. And, you know, I haven't been, we haven't been walking with God. It's been tough. And we come back and God says, here's mercy. Some of us, we've been living like a complete non-believing person. And we come and we're like, we don't even feel good about coming. I don't feel so good about coming. But it's okay because we receive mercy. And so we come back and we start again. Not only that, secondly, uh, we get help. Some of us have been going through some tough times, you know, and uh, as a pastor, one of the things we get often is uh, I get prayer requests for very difficult things, and we as humans living in this earth, we all go through trials, and you're going through trials, and you've been going to God, and God is helping you, and God is strengthening you. God is revealing himself to you through the trials, so you get help, but what we have to do, and I think is so important, and we do this with anything. That's good, right? You find a good restaurant you can't wait to go tell your friends about. You should go eat this place, at this place. Or, um, you know, you see a good movie and you say, boy, that movie is so good. And you can't help but to go and tell your friends how good it is or take someone to go see it. And we ought to do the same thing for the one that matters the most, that God is so good. He's given me mercy. He's given me this place. And can you imagine the manslayer when he is free to go home? He's going and telling them about what he felt like, that he is forgiven. His hands are clean. And we ought to go and be bringing people in. Now, yesterday, uh, uh, my family and I, we went out to Huntington Beach, um, hung out there. Beautiful day for the beach, and we hung out. And um, at the Huntington Beach Pier, if you've been there, especially on a weekend, um, there's a guy there, and there's a couple of guys that take turns, and they, they do kind of an open-air evangelism, and they preach. They get up on like a chair, and they preach, or a ladder, and they preach. And there's a gathering, and there's someone that asks questions, and it's this. But he's someone very well-known in the Christian circle. His name's Ray Comfort. And Ray Comfort has made many training videos with Kirk Cameron, the 80, uh, 80s actor, um, and uh, so on. And so some of you have seen him. But he was out there yesterday. I paused, and, oh, and he was doing an IQ quiz. You know, he was kind of drawing people in, and he had a wad of $1 bills. He's like, if you know this answer to this, and, and they answer right, you get a dollar, you get a dollar. And people are all excited because they're getting a dollar. But they don't know, like, he's going to, you know, like, share the gospel with them. And he's going to just, the, the bomb is coming down. But they're, like, there, and I'm kind of, you know, giggling. And, you know, but I walked away thinking, you know, I, I admired him. But I was like, why is he doing it by himself? Are we all called to be evangelists? No. Are we all called to be pastors? No. But we are all called to be some kind of a missionary. We ought to be in that work. You say, I can't go up there and talk to strangers about God. I don't know all the right answers, and I'm not that bold. That's fine. But you could influence someone. You could love someone. You could care for someone. And I think that is so, so important. You know, uh, uh, Michael Green, who's a historian, writes in his book, Evangelism in the Early Church. He talks about how the early church grew, right, from zero to now um, billions. And he says, in the early church, Christianity was supremely a layperson movement. 
spread by informal missionaries. And I love that. Informal missionaries. You know, we, we get formal missionaries that come here and they share. And we hear about what they do in foreign countries and so on. And we say, oh, man, I, I don't think I could do that. We admire them from afar. Um, but he says informal missionaries. That's us. That's you and that's me. That we ought to be informal missionaries. We ought to go and tell someone how good this is. Um, and, you know, you cannot go um, and not tell someone something that's good. You know, there was a uh, research that was done by Lifeway Research. They surveyed 15,000 adults in North America. They asked them, what would get you into a church? And these are people who don't go to church. Said, what, would, what would prompt you to go to church? 67% of the people said, if a family member personally invited me, I'd go. Seven out of ten people, basically, would say, if a family member came and personally invited me, I would go. And then 62% said, if a friend or a neighbor personally invited me, I would go. And what they found out in this research is it wasn't the big crusades and the concerts and the entertainment, but it was a, the personal touch. That out of all your neighbors, six out of ten of them would come to church if you went and said, hey, you want to come? Hey, we have Easter coming. You want to come? And they would come. Your cousins and aunts and uncles and your siblings who haven't, maybe haven't been going to church or have been distant from God, if you go and talk to them and say, hey, man, you should come out. Check it out. They'd be open to coming. Um, you know, it's like we're fishing and there's fish ready to bite and we're not throwing in our hooks and our bait. We're just holding on to it. If seven out of ten are saying, yeah, I want to bite, and we're not throwing in, how are we going to catch someone? It doesn't mean we have to preach out in public and yell and do all that. Um, but we have to go and throw the bait over. Recently, I, um, we got a new car, and I was, you know, when you get a new car, there's a whole process, right? And, you deal with the dealer, and then there's a manager hiding in some secret place he always has to run off to. I bring him out here, but he can't come out, and they come back and forth, and, you know, and then you come to some number. You always feel like you got ripped off, right? And you're like, I think I... But anyways, you do that, and what happens at the end? After the time, an hour or two of doing all that, you're exhausted. Now you're done, and then they send you to someone, and they have a stack of papers, Right? And this is the one industry that has not caught up with email. You know, there's a stack of papers, and you have to sign. And you're not looking. By that time, you can't see any numbers. You just sign in a way. Well, so I get called in. This lady, Asian lady, calls me in. She looked like she was around my age. Maybe she looked a little older. Okay, so but I didn't say that. But anyways, I was, I was thinking that. She, she's like, oh, come on in, Mr. Joy. And I go in and sit down. And she looks at me. She goes, oh, are you Korean? You know, I was thinking, I'm getting Hyundai, is there a Korean discount? If there's a Korean discount, I'll be Korean. I'll be whatever you want. Like, you know, you know, maybe Chinese, I'll be Chinese, I'll be Korean, I'll be whatever you want. Like, I said, um, yeah. And she goes, oh. She goes, me too, but you don't look Korean. Like, no, no, at this point, it's like mixed message. I said, well, is that a compliment? Is that an insult? I don't, am I supposed to say thank you? And I said, oh, okay. And then she goes, well, no, no, not, not just that, but you're not dressed like a Korean. And so I'm looking at my flip-flops and my shorts and my T-shirt, and I was like, what am I supposed to wear? A black suit, you know, a leather jacket. I mean, what, what does a Korean man dress to go and buy a car? I was like, okay. Well, I was like, okay. And then she looks up my form. She goes, oh, you're a pastor. 
oh boy, here we go. You know, like, I want to get in my car and cruise. Like, I want to go. And she's like, oh, you're a pastor. I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. And I was thinking, I was waiting for her to say, you don't look like a pastor. I was just waiting. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and then she, she goes, oh, that's interesting. And as soon as she found out, she just started talking. Told me about her daughter who's seven years old, who's in the Girl Scouts, already sold X amount of Girl Scout cookies. Right? She is so smart, right? And she's telling me, and her grandmother lives up in Diamond Bar, and she watches her, and she is so smart. She's so smart. And, um, you know, and I'm like, oh, wonderful. You know, can I just sign those papers right there, you know? I got to go. And she's telling me how smart she is. And then she started telling me about her life, when she immigrated, where she went to high school, where she went to college, why she, you know, graduated later. And she's telling me about her life. By that time, you know, I just put the pen down, and I'm just like, hey, let's just talk, you know. Uh, the lights are going off here, but it's okay. Let's just talk. And uh, I said, well, that's, you know, and I said, thanks, you know, that's, thank you for sharing, you know, and I feel like I've made a friend. And I said, I said, you should come to church. You should come check out our church. And she goes, oh, you know, I said, you said your, you know, grandma lives in Diamond Bar. I said, it's perfect. We're right next to Diamond Bar. You know, just bring your daughter come to church. We're in Brea, right next to the mall. I said, just come. And she says, oh, yeah, I would, but I actually live in Irvine, so it's too far. And I was like, oh. I said, oh. And I was looking at God like, okay, God, here it is. You've set it up, and I'm going to, I say, that's perfect. I said, we have a church in Irvine, too. And she's like, oh, what? And he goes, yeah, we have a church in Irvine. She goes, but you're not there, right? No, I go there, and I'll be there, 1030 at Stonegate. And come on out. Oh. It's in her right. <laughs> she goes, well, I'll try. I'll try. We'll see. I said, I would love to have you. Um, hey, but you throw the bait out. Do we get a conversion? Does she? No, but throw the bait out. Um, and so, so many within our church. And I was thinking back on the last nine and a half years of so many who cared enough to bring someone to church. The times that we've crouched over and prayed together for people, you know, after service and um, the people who have become part of our community. I was thinking, we have one of our sisters um, who befriended one of uh, a kid, kids, her kid's friend's mom. Uh, this was about eight, nine years ago at the beginning of our church. And the uh, mom had gotten very hurt in the church. And her and her whole family had gotten very hurt by some people, and they had left. And since then, she's like, I'm done with church. I'm a Christian, but I'm done with church. And she wanted so much to, and she kept sharing, oh, you should come check out our church. It's different. It's not like that. You should come. And she said, no, I'm not going to do this. Um, and then she, so she would ask me periodically, can you pray for my friend? You know, I'm trying to bring her to church. I said, yeah, I'll pray for her. And then uh, our sister at our church said, well, I'm going to have a um, kind of an informal dinner just to get together at my house. Could you and Sharon come? And could you hang out? And by the way, don't say anything, but that friend will be there. And maybe you could just talk to her. So I go over. We go over. Now the friend is there. And now I'm being extra friendly and nice, you know, because she already had some things with church. And I'm the pastor, but I want to be the nicest pastor possible. And this is nine years ago, right? And they had a little kid back then. And they... And then they, I see them at church, and I see them at church, and I see them coming. Now they're, they're regularly at Irvine. The kid's in the youth group. He's helping to start a, a Christian club on their school. He's one of the core group guys. And I think about the person who brought them, and I, so many of us do. 
I know how important it is. We're not called, you're, you're, maybe you're not called to stand up and preach a sermon, but you can go and see if the opportunity, if the door is open, and at least throw your hook over and see if someone wants to nibble. Now, what we, you got today were these bags. Um, and Pastor Sam spent a lot of time with this design, okay? Don't think it was something quick and simple. Um, inside, we have a card. I want everyone to pull this out, and I'm going to give you a little assignment to do right now. You got one or two of these. If you, and what, what we were thinking is, this is kind of like a Hallmark greeting card, right? It's an invitation to our church uh, for Easter. But maybe you could think of one person. I think there's a pen inside your bag as well. One or two people that you might want to invite. And what we want you to do right now is to write their name. Maybe you are just throwing the bait over. And you know, you have no idea how they're going to respond. But just write their name. Hey, John, hope you can make it to church. I want to invite you. Uh, let me know. Or maybe there's someone you know you have been talking with, praying with, and working on for the last year. And you, you say, hey, man, why don't, we, why don't we do this together? Somebody ask you to do this right now. All of us have someone that we can go and share. And then I'm going to ask, as a homework assignment, um, between now and maybe the next week, you go over and you, you give this to them. And if you want to put something inside for them, Easter eggs, some chocolate, their favorite coffee, you put this in here. Hey, we're having this thing at church. You should come check it out. We'd love for you to come. You know, no pressure, but would love for you to come and give them an invite. And what we are hoping is that uh, the seven out of ten of them say, hey, I need to go. Tell them, man, hey, it's great. Our church is, is good. Our music is great. You know, our pastor's okay, but it's short, so it's okay. It's good. We're going to have food that day, and it's going to be good. But come. And we would love for you to come. So take a moment, would you, and write this right now, and then I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to just give you a few moments to do that. As you do that, that we spend a moment in prayer, just a few moments, and for that person or those people, could you pray for them right now and ask God to open an opportunity um, where they could get invited into this city of refuge, a place of forgiveness, a place where we get help, that they could experience that, and that they would take this, and uh, that their eternity would be changed because of this invite. And so I'm going to ask that we spend a moment in prayer now. Um, as you're finished writing, let's just pray for that person or two or whoever it is. And let's pray together. And I'll close us in prayer. Let's pray all together. God, we just pray for these names and these people, these faces that come to mind love them so much and uh, we 
Lord, want to go and share that love. God, most of us, Lord God, we don't know all the right answers and we don't know all the right um, things to say or how to debate people, but God, we know how to love. We want to bring them in. We want them to experience this life in you. So, Lord, for the next weeks and Easter that's coming up, we pray for many people to come in this way. We pray for them, and we pray for us. God, we pray in Jesus' name.